Welcome, community members. And uh, I'd like to begin by quoting my guru, Baba Muktananda, who began every talk by saying in Hindi, Sabko bare sat hardik swagat. With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And he would always say that's the essence of spirituality, to welcome people with love, honoring the divinity that's within every person. Not only all the other people, but also the divinity within yourself. And it's uh, to remember that divinity, to remember that self, and also to the great beings who've realized that self, that we have these programs. And tonight for the, um, for the community of satsang, uh, last time I've done, I did this too, so I thought I'd do it again. I'm doing my program called Notes from the Tea Shop. And um, uh, back in Ganeshpuri, next door to the ashram, there used to be a tea shop, which was our only R&R, uh, &R, our only break from the intensity of the ashram routine. And so after lunch, we would often go and have some hot chai and, uh, and relax for a while before the, the grind started up again. And I would go after lunch, I'd, I'd uh, take a short nap and then dress in my work clothes and go down to the tea shop and have a chai. And then I would write notes to myself. So that hence notes from the tea shop. I would think about what I'd been learning, new insights I had, uh, and these became, uh, filled several volumes, and I'm putting them together in a book called Notes from the Tea Shop. Um, actually, I'm thinking of calling them Let's Try This, Contemplations, Insights, and Practices for Real Yogis. Of course, there are going to be insights and practices and ways of looking at things. And, and uh, yoga is always practical. There's also theory and there's also philosophy. But the great thing about yoga is it's practical. It's working with your psychology, with your mind, with your emotions, working them so that they move towards the light. And so uh, it's a series of practices. <clears throat> now we have, um, uh, let's see. What, what happened? <laughs> oh, is that is that remediable? Certainly is. <laughs> okay. That's a good title. You like it? Yeah. Let's try this. Of course, I find myself saying that a lot. Let's try this. Let's try this. Turn on the video. <laughs> <clears throat> there we go. There's the, there's the authentic shot, an authentic doctored shot of the tea shop. I've been teleported into this scene. Uh, and this is a bunch of yogis ready to go to work in the afternoon having a, a tea uh, next door. That takes me back. I'm told that AI will make this even more authentic. <laughs> I can put various people in, like Plato and uh, Einstein, other people can hang Bob Dylan. <clears throat> so, 
Okay, thanks. So here are some notes from the tea shop. This one's not a let's try this, really. <clears throat> this is called Patanjali. Of course, you, you know that Patanjali is a great teacher of meditation and who wrote the Patanjali Yoga Sutras, uh, all about yoga, about meditation, about the mind, uh, 1,500 years ago or more. Patanjali says, Yogas Chitta Vritti Narodaha. That's his second sutra, really his first sutra. Um, <clears throat> yoga is to still the thought waves of the mind. To still the thought waves of the mind. That's the essence of meditation, to quiet the mind down. Quiet the mind down. And if you think about that, the only other time we try to quiet the mind down is, is uh, well, actually, it's not true, but it's going to sleep at night. But actually, nowadays, we know that when we get very nervous, our mind starts running. If we're an athlete or doing something, we do try to quiet the mind down. Of course, we know that a uh, mind that's just running in all directions at once uh, is very weakening. It goes on, the web of thoughts, ideas, habits, and concepts in the mind and the unconscious block the portal to the self. When we turn within, there's this place we call, the yogis call the inner self, the Atman. I like to call it the clear space of good feeling, that there's a place inside of us of great power, great joy, great love, great peace. But we're cut off from that because of the whirl and swirl of different thoughts, habits, ignorances, all kinds of things, negative habits of emotion and so on. And then it goes on, silence opens it. So while this swirl cuts us off from our true self, silence allows us to access it. And sometimes there's a comment on these notes. Comment, everything happens if we learn to sit quietly and let the inner swirl settle down. Another one. This is called another meditation one. This is called turn in gently. <coughs> Let's try this. Turn your awareness inward very gently. Turn it in as little as possible. Do that right now. Just turn it inward very gently. Don't scrunch it, scrunch it up. Just turn it in. Don't strain or concentrate within and hold that awareness of this gentle turning within. Just hold that. You may be able to intuit something even in that moment. You can try this at home. <clears throat> Comment, just a small movement inwards. A small movement inwards. See, the essence of meditation is not to, to distort your brain and turn it forcibly within, but gently turn it. The mind moves out, and the mind turns in very gently. And holding that position is the meditative position. Okay, another one. This is called spirituality in a nutshell. Uh, and these are notes that summarize a program 
I did for retired people in April 2017. I don't know what they got from it, but I got a lot from this program. <clears throat> a bunch of retired people came to see the ashram and, and they asked me to give a little talk on meditation to them. So I said to them, they, none of them had any experience in yoga or uh, inner uh, inquiry or anything like that. <clears throat> so I said, everybody here has had an experience of being happy and contented for a while in their lives. True? I can ask you all that. You've all had an experience of being happy or contented, even fleetingly, for just an hour during some mad week. Everybody's had that experience. So they all went, yes! So I said, what if I told you that the goal of life, the spiritual goal of life, was to find that space that we're talking about and hold on to it as best you can. And they all went, oh, oh, that's a spiritual goal. I can understand that. I said, does that sound easy? They all went, no. <laughs> I said, you're right. <laughs> it's both very easy and very not easy. <clears throat> but that's the goal of meditation, to find out how to attain that space, to hold on to it, and if you lose it, how to get it back. That's it. To seek that space, to hold that space, you lose that space to go back to that space. But we're so busy being confused and idiotic that we forget that that's the goal of meditation. And we think that we'll get to that space indirectly by winning the lottery and things like that. But you can go directly to it. <clears throat> Sometimes uh, uh, the simplest things are the most true. Another one. This is called changing your paradigm. That was what Lula mentioned, something about changing your paradigm. <clears throat> so at a certain point, a spiritual seeker becomes aware that his attitudes, thoughts, opinions, and even his, her values are the products of conditioning and emotional and intellectual tendencies. <clears throat> That's a, uh, an important point in your, in your inner development when you realize that a lot of the things you think are your own are not your own. They're things that your parents gave you, your culture gave you, your own movements and so on. <clears throat> And this is called, the world is as you see it. One of the phrases that uh, Baba used to say over and over again is the world is as you see it. He would, he would quote uh, the Yoga Vashishta, a great text of wisdom. And um, he said, so the Yoga Vashishta says the world is as you see it, which means that everybody sees a different world according to their own tendencies, their own history, their own predispositions. So the world is as we see it. And if we look at the world through uh, clouded vision, the world's cloudy. If we look at it through misery, the world's miserable. But if we expand our vision and uplift our vision, open our vision, the world becomes something different, joyous and uplifting. 
So he says, uh, such a seeker becomes aware that the quality of life and his joy and his wisdom are all limited by his personality. Or you could say it this way, that, that the quality of life is my, my life is my creation. That's called taking responsibility. Of course, it, it happened to you. Of course, different traumas and so on <coughs> happened. But at some point you say, this is, what I, this is it. This is how I'm looking at things, and this is what I'm getting from that. And then you decide whether that's good enough. Or by transforming your vision. <clears throat> he knows that to evolve spiritually means changing his paradigm to a more expanded one. So think about that. Is it remotely possible that the way you view the reality is limiting you, making, creating suffering for you? And is it possible that there's a more expanded point of view, paradigm for you? Certainly in my, I won't speak for you, certainly in my life, the way I looked at the world back before I went to India uh, made me quite miserable. And that when I got to India, my paradigm started shifting. And it, uh, uh, the whole inner uh, movement, the values, everything, and I learned of new aspects of myself, and I learned to value that and even connect with that. And so it was a complete paradigm shift that happened gradually there. <clears throat> this is done through meditation, self-inquiry, and the practice of expanded spiritual ideas, what Gurdjieff would call understanding the ideas of the work, such ideas as I am the self, I am Shiva, the self is within me. Divinity is within me. Shakti is within me. Energy is within me. Love is within me. Contemplating these ideas. <clears throat> Comment. The light of the world passes through the matrix of your thoughts and feelings. So no matter how bright the sun is, if you've got shades over your windows, less of it will come in. And so the same as the the light of the world is brilliant, but if our concepts and our emotions are let, not allowing it in, that's what we'll get. Learn to think in such a way that allows more light to come in. How, how can I have more light? According to the yogis, there's perfect love within every person, perfect wisdom within every person, perfect strength joy and confidence within every person. It's a wonderfully optimistic point of view. So if we're not feeling full of love and full of joy and full of confidence, it's because we're not allowing it in. We're not allowing access to that. One who's evolving spiritually starts to understand how crucial his own attitude is to his experience of life. So a lot of it has to do with attitude. Okay, how's that one, all right? <clears throat> Tell me if you, uh, anybody want to say anything? <laughs> Everyone's in meditation. You like it, enjoying it? All right, I'll go on. I was just felt a little insecure there. I felt insecure there. 
This is called past, present, and future. The past is formed, the future is unformed. So things you might practice or consider. The past. <clears throat> past is, uh, has, when you think about the past, it brings up attachment and aversion. Ragadvesha, it's called in the scriptures. Uh, things that you relish in the past and things that you hate in the past. So for, for the stuff that you hate, there's a letting go that has to happen. It's over, it doesn't exist anymore, so let it go. Forgive. Forgiveness is a wonderful thing. Not because it's so virtuous and you're, uh, you're such a wonderful person to forgive, it's because it frees you. When you don't forgive, you're tied to the object of hatred. And uh, that's the last thing you want, that's what you're creating. So you free yourself by forgiveness. Move on. And also release nostalgia. Oh, it was so lovely, the summer of 74. <laughs> on the shore. <clears throat> if that could only happen again. 74 is a long time ago, isn't it? The summer of 2009. <clears throat> Get over it. Do mantra. If you're tortured by the past, do the mantra, Om Namah just repeat it strongly. Actually, mantra is a universal uh, antidote to all this stuff. Uh, but say the mantra instead of brooding in, in nostalgia or in hatred. The future. The future is open, very different. The future is unformed. So for the future, you can, you can pray if you're worried about it. Give up worry. Trust. Don't brood about it. Have faith. You can ask, is there something I need to do? But worry, so what do you do about worry? The mantra. When, that come, when worry comes up, say the mantra. You make a choice, oh, worry is here. I'll say the mantra. It's a powerful choice. And the present, <clears throat> be present. Get in touch with the energy, the shakti of the present moment. The energy of the past is gone. The energy of the future has not arrived. The only energy you're going to really get is the present moment. Um, find out where that energy, the great energy, the great shakti of divinity, the great power is here. It's here in every moment. It's occluded by our negativity and so on. So find that energy. Get in touch with that energy. I used to sit in Baba's presence, and Baba was a, a dynamo of spiritual shakti. You sat around him and you'd pass into meditation, or you'd start feeling movement going on. But sometimes, even in his divine presence, you'd feel dry cut off from the shakti. And at moments like that, I used to say, that's not, that can't be right. I'm sitting here with the generator, and it must be me doing something, so how can I find that? And I try to look within and see if I could make that connection. <clears throat> Where's the feeling in each center? In Shiva process, we examine the navel, the heart, the throat, the third eye, looking to see where there are blocks and where there's the flow of energy. You can meditate what areas of life 
I'm not full of energy. Is it my career and money issues, my relationship issues, my physical health and fitness issues, my spirituality? Which part is blocked and how can I bring energy into it? <clears throat> Comment. The future is the deity. It is Ganesh. <clears throat> you, have to, you have to pray to it. Oh, be kind, oh Ganesh. Now, Ganesh can go two ways. He can open the door or he can close it up. <clears throat> Scholars worship the past because it's fixed and can be studied safely. Solid types love the past. You know, certain types love to go over history because, you know, the, the present is constantly creating more stuff. You can't keep up with it, but the past, you got it. It's all fit, and then maybe you can understand it. The solid really wants to understand life, but life as it's happening is completely incomprehensible. It's, it's happening too fast, especially in the ashram. Things are happening so fast, you don't know what the hell's going on. <clears throat> but by thinking about the past, you, you have the illusion of control, and you can do that. <clears throat> you can the worst has already happened. <laughs> the worst has happened, yeah. But the yogis love the present, the present moment, and they look for God in the present moment. They attain God in the present moment. Okay, let's see. <clears throat> this is one you're probably familiar with, my favorite one. Let's do, first, let's do a little, let's try this. Okay. <clears throat> you know, in my course I talk about that we live in two worlds, an inner world and an outer world. So these are a couple of contemplations of, uh, for your inner world and your outer world, okay? Um, first contemplation about the inner world. Ready? Let's try this. Close your eyes, go inside and say, my inner world is rich. I know a lot of meditators look inside and they say, there's nothing going on there, it's dry. But now you're meditating. My inner world is rich. And look in and see the riches that are there. Some of the riches may be painful, that's okay. My inner world is rich. Okay, did you get a little bit, if you didn't see absolute riches, did it get a little richer from that contemplation? Yeah? Okay. <clears throat> okay, that's the inner world. You can sit and meditate, you can try that at home. This is the outer world. Say this, a lot of times we feel blocked and stuck in the outer world. <clears throat> so try this one. Let's try this. Go inside and say, my outer world is full of possibilities. My outer world is full of possibilities. I might choose anything. Don't bring in reality, just sit in that possibility. Sit in that possibility.
Did your inner being enjoy those contemplations? You feel an upliftment in them? So that's very good. Comment. If you make your attitude right, very mysteriously the world will conform to it. These practices are remedies for dry and unpleasant inner world or blocked or frightening outer world. Okay. <clears throat> Let's see, I'll do two more, the big ones. This is my favorite one that I've talked about many, many uh, lectures. This is called the celebration of consciousness. <clears throat> and the, um, in any narrative you have to have a hero and a villain. And with, with, uh, with sadness I'm making Sri Rock the villain, the rock. I will use the rock, but I'm, this is a rock who's been sitting here for years, and he's a very conscious rock, so he may feel misunderstood. But I'll say, in Shaivism they say that... Um, he now has a smile. He has a smile? Yeah. In Shaivism they say that the whole world is made of consciousness, and that it's consciousness vibrating at different frequencies. The most illumined is God, you could say, at the top, and at the lowest end, uh, it's still consciousness, but it's vibrating very slowly and stupidly. And that's a rock. A rock is the lowest IQ in the universe. Least conscious, but it's still full of consciousness. So Sri Rock will have to put up with me. <clears throat> okay, this is a uh, celebration of consciousness. The capacity to question, to analyze, and to understand is a property of consciousness and not the outer world. A rock does not have this capacity. A rock does not question, analyze, or understand. We're trying to define what consciousness is. That thing that contemplates, that questions, analyzes, and understands is consciousness. The, ca the capacity to be aware and to be unaware are powers of the inner world, of consciousness. So rock is neither aware nor unaware. I guess it's unaware. The capacity to suffer and to enjoy are powers of the inner world, of consciousness. The rock sits there beautifully, neither suffering nor enjoying. Although I think he's starting to enjoy satsang. Not sure. <clears throat> the capacity to fear and to be heroic are powers of consciousness. The capacity to remember and also to forget are powers of the inner world, of consciousness. The capacity to love and also to hate are powers of the inner world, of consciousness. So when we go to a movie and it's about love and hate, we love it, celebrating consciousness. When we love movies about fear and heroism, we're celebrating consciousness. That's how much we're involved in consciousness. The capacity to feel satisfaction and also discontent are powers of the inner world, consciousness. <clears throat> so if you're sitting there full of satisfaction, God comes along and says, very good, you're full of satisfaction. 
And if you're sitting there full of dissatisfaction, God comes along and says, very good. You're a conscious being. You're full of dissatisfaction. God's very satisfied. <clears throat> the capacity to be offended and also to be gratified are powers of the inner world. The capacity to imagine and also to deny are powers of consciousness. The capacity to feel connected and to feel isolated are powers of the inner world of consciousness. Sri Rak doesn't feel connected or isolated. Doesn't feel he's being left out. He doesn't feel part of the in crowd either. He just sits there. The capacity to forgive, to bless, and to feel blessed are powers of inner world and consciousness. Comment. A rock does not have these capacities. I apologize to rocks because they do have great qualities like imperturbability and steadiness. When I was a boy, we would call a tough guy a rock, admiringly. I'm sure you didn't have that. He's a rock, we'd say. He always had a, a duck's ass haircut, you know, with a side sweep back, with a little duck. And he was a rock, and he bopped. <clears throat> On the other hand, I can't emphasize enough the greatness and importance of consciousness. It's an inexplicable wonder. It's actually a miracle. Like wow. Like wow's actually in there. <laughs> Last one, okay? This is uh, a meditation on reincarnation. So let's try this, okay? You go inside and, and say these things to yourself, okay? I've been a man. I've been a woman. I've been an animal. I've been gay. I've been straight. I've been black. I've been white. I've been rich, I've been poor, I've been every race, I've been a businessman, I've been a farmer, I've been a factory worker, I've been a doctor, I've been a tradesman, I've been a teacher and a student, I've been a celebrity, and I've been anonymous. I've been a priest and an atheist. I've been a prostitute and a client of prostitutes. I've been a criminal, and I've been a lawman. I've been violent. I've been gentle. I've murdered and have been murdered. I've been a slave and I've been a slave owner. I've been a victimizer and a victim. I've been tall, I've been short. I've been healthy, I've been unhealthy. 
I've had a strong body and a weak body. I've had a strong mind. I've had a weak mind. I've been educated and I've been uneducated. I've been an Australian, an American, an Indian, a Frenchman, an Englishman, a Spaniard. I've been every nationality and type. I've learned from each of my births. Through it all, I've always been the one self. I've always existed as consciousness itself, taking all these forms. I'm the source of all these many things. I am the essence behind all these manifestations. Shiva Oham, I am Shiva, I am Shiva, I am Shiva. So let's meditate for 10 minutes. Once again, with great love and respect, since you've been all these things, I welcome you all with all my heart. Let's meditate. Satyunath Maharaj Kijay.